Hello and welcome to the best is net to come. My name is Josh, and I am joined by Michael Rubenstein and Richard Chuba. As always, it's been five games now the Nets have played, and they're two and three. Maybe should only be one and four if they didn't get a little bit of lucky break towards the end of that Sixers game, the second game of the season that they won. It's been a week since the season started. There's been a lot of teams that were projected to be better at this point that are not. Some teams that are showing to be pretty great. Uh, a la the Chicago Bulls and New York Knicks, who are actually playing tonight, I believe, right? I think their yeah. game is tonight. So that's that's a great game to watch. Hopefully you guys are watching it. <clears throat> but we got to talk about James Harden. James Harden was, before the season, um, going to be considered basically the Kyrie insurance for this year. Because Kyrie was not going to be playing due to his anti-vax stance, we thought, well... That's a bummer, but at least we got James Harden, right? He's like one of the top 75 best basketball players of all time. He is an incredible point guard facilitator. He can hit threes all the time. However, due to these new um, foul drawing or not foul drawing laws or fouls that are being called or not called um, in Harden's favor, he hasn't been getting to the line as much as usual. He actually has only gotten to the line 15 times um, in his first five games, which is the lowest amount he's gotten to the line since his 2010-2011 season in his first five games. So he, he uh, he's not doing well. He's also shooting 34% um, over the past five games. So things are not looking good. And I don't really know if it's only conditioning. It seems like Harden is just kind of like not really sure how to play right now. What are some of the observations you guys have made in these first few games? I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, I think he does look like he just doesn't know how to play with the new rules. Um, Conditioning-wise, he he mentioned, like, you know, he hasn't played real basketball in, what, six months because he had the uh, injury in the playoffs where he was very limited and then the whole summer. Uh, But it really looks to me like he's not getting those hook calls he's used to getting, the the three-point fouls he's used to getting. And we've said for years, James Harden was as good as he is just because of his ability to draw fouls. And then the defenders are off balance because they don't want to touch him and, you know, foul him while he's shooting and stuff like that. And now it seems like defenders can be a little more comfortable getting in his space and he hasn't adapted. And I'm confident he will, but it's a little bit of, I think, offseason rust combined with the new rules. But uh, he's still like looking to make passes, which is good. Uh, He's just, I think, missing that extra gear that we're used to seeing. Rick, uh, I know you're a big Jimmy Larden guy, but Huge. maybe the maybe the Larden aspect of, of, of Harden is something that we need to say goodbye to, especially without the extra added uh, insurance of Kyrie on the court to, to be that incredible offensive powerhouse. Harden's got to lose some weight and get in shape and, and possibly get to a uh, higher mobility um, than he is right now in order for the Nets to even come close to their expectations. Do you agree or what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, calling him Jimmy Larden is is fun, just like for the pot and everything. But still, he does have to lose at least a little bit of weight. Um, and I think he will get there. I read something recently that he said he's still trying to work his way back from that hamstring injury last season. And I believe him. Uh, so I, I think he's going to get into better game shape. And I think with the fouls as well, he's still 
trying to get a feel. I think these past couple games was more about getting a feel of what he could and couldn't get away with still. And it seems like really not much of anything anymore. So uh, I think we're going to see very quickly him make those adjustments. uh, And he's going to be back to being as productive as he always has been. Yeah, so just to talk about some of these very peculiar numbers, he has uh, shot a career-low share of shots at the rim and currently a career-high share of shots from floater range. Now, last year we sort of dubbed him the floater king because he was so good at it, but right now he's 15 for 39 in the paint while missing two-thirds of his three-pointers. Things are not looking great for him. He needs to sharpen up, and... KD looks amazing, as usual. It's like he doesn't miss a beat. He plays well, even when the Nets are struggling. Harden has that ability. He had been, last year, their sort of... uh, He was their guy when they were looking bad. He would always bring them back into games that they shouldn't have won. You know, obviously thinking about that Suns game last year where they were playing horrifically if it wasn't for Harden and a couple other role guys. I wonder... If in a month or two, some more drastic actions are taken um, to, I guess, fill this gap offensively without him and defensively. I don't know what they do, but something's got to be done. I will add quickly to that. Uh, He was very bad defensively last night. A couple times they showed replays of just pretty simple pick and roll stuff with either Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler or the combination of both of them. And a lot of times it was James Harden kind of in no man's land. Not sure if he should be defending the three-pointer or in the paint. And it just seemed like every time I watched the replay, it was James Harden who was not helping. So that's also conditioning. Like, James Harden looked like he kind of got a little better at defense towards the end of last season. And in the playoffs, he was taking a lot of pride, especially in his one-on-one defense, but just overall. And uh, early season stuff, defense is always going to be a little bit lacking if you're not in the best shape. So just want to point that out, too. It's both sides of the ball. Do you guys think there's any possibility that the refs are targeting Harden as sort of making a scapegoat of him for this new rule? Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think they're necessarily like unreasonable about it. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the non-calls that they've made are right. You know, I I think um, prior to the rule change, like we would look at plays like that, especially before Harden was a net, right? Like we, we, me and Mike would complain all the time. Would be like, man, like this, we hate the way he plays. Like he would shoot like right. 20 to 30 free throws a game. And we're like, yeah, well, I mean, like he's not cheating. That's like, if they're going to call it, keep doing it. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Like now that like they're making the rule change, which I do think is great for the game. I think it's great for basketball. It's not really good for us as Nets fans. I do think it actually hurts us, but I, for the game itself, it, it it is good. And I think the, the league is trying to really make a point that like, Hey, you're not going to get these like pump fake shots where you're going to jump into a guy and draw a foul. And just because you're going to flail your arms doesn't mean it's a foul or you can, you know, a lot of guys will, They'll maybe get a little bit of contact, but they'll go, they'll yell and they'll go, ah, and like they'll kind of make it seem like it's a little dr- more dramatic, and they'll get those calls, and they're just like, hey, dude, like, listen, <laughs> like, contact is going to happen, like it's part of the game, but like, mm-hmm. that's just not a foul anymore. And uh, I, I think, I think they are trying to, I don't want to say target Harden, but 
I think it maybe seems like they're targeting Harden because that is his style of play. So when you're so reliant on drawing fouls as like 50% of your scoring output and you're not getting those calls, you're not really being targeted. You're just being told, hey, like half of your game doesn't work anymore. So I, I, it's not targeting, but there, there definitely is a spotlight on him and Trey Young for for the rule change to be like, hey, like guys, if you want to like make your shots, like freaking earn them. Some of the uh, just like the same problems they've been dealing with for a year. And before the pod, I even said like it's so, it's so boring and hard to talk about this because it's been a problem for almost a calendar year now is the rebounding. And it was not more apparent than last night against the Heat, who are a great defensive and great rebounding team to begin with, but also just made the Nets look like they don't even really care about half the court. They don't care about defense. They don't care about rebounds. It's 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 like they're playing timid. And I thought this was something that was going to be fixed this year because of the returning faces and because everyone kind of knew their role. I thought that, okay, rebounding's a problem when guys – aren't familiar with one another and don't know how to play together. But a lot of these guys have played together. So why don't they know how to rebound? Is it just an effort thing or is it still a communication thing? I'm leaning effort. Yeah, I think it's it's more effort. I watched a few plays, again, I, with replay. Like, you just see so many other things. A lot of times, Kevin Durant didn't box out P.J. Tucker crashing from the corner. And you've got to know who you're playing against. And P.J. Tucker crashing from the corner has got to be on your radar. I know he's a tough guy and he like throws his body around, but like Kevin Durant is seven feet tall and PJ Tucker's like six seven. So as long as you're in the right spot, you're gonna get that ball. And PJ Tucker just kept running right by him uh, and getting taps or actual rebounds, and it was just so frustrating to watch. But also, uh, I'm gonna call out Paul Millsap here because I was worried about Paul Millsap before the season. Uh, called him one of my certified losers, and he, he has not looked is, great. He is just not doing the job on the glass like he's never been the most athletic big man he's more of a finesse guy who can shoot has a little bit of a post game but if he's the the big guy on the court the power forward of the center for the nets uh he's got to take more responsibility in leading the the rebounding and he just wasn't last night it was a lot on him aldridge and blake like didn't really seem like they played that much honestly in the second half so i don't know if the nets were trying to go small for any particular reason um with durant and Millsap, but it was just bad. And it was like the defense wasn't terrible. They just couldn't get the rebounds. It, I think Miami had like 15 to 20 offensive rebounds. So, you know, take those away. The defense isn't actually that bad. It's just frustrating when you can't finish the possession. Yeah, I think not only not only is it a, a problem of effort, though, too, but it seems like it's a personnel problem as well, because like even if these guys really were giving the effort we thought they should. Is there really a guy on this team that you look at and you go, wow, that guy's a really good rebounder? Like, like at, at, at any point in their career, right? Like, Blake Griffin, like, early on in his career was pr- a pretty good rebounder. But, like, no one really on this team you look at and, like, that that guy really grabs a lot of boards. Like, it's just, it's just not there. And uh, just to have a little fun, because there's probably a, a lot of, Nets fans that are also Yankees fans, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Yankees, too, in that, like, the Nets are just, like, acquiring, like, over-the-hill guys with big names who just really aren't as productive as their name is anymore. And, like, the Yankees, too, like, they get, like, guys on the back end of their career who are just, like, 
power hitters and they don't really do much else. And if you're not hitting the home runs, you're really not contributing to the team. Like the like the Yankees have like Joey Gallo, who hits a ton of home runs, but he bats like 200. It's like congratulations on your 200 batting average, but but like can you do anything more for me? So for the for the the Nets, like they just they they're old and like they just don't have a lot of guys that are really that productive anymore, which it, it's 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 troubling because we're going to get really sick and tired about talking the rebounding this year and the defense. And it's just, it doesn't seem like it's going to change. It's going to be cross your fingers, hope KD and Harden can play at elite offensive levels. Let's hope Kyrie comes back and doesn't blow it all up. And maybe we can walk over the championship. Cause I don't know about you guys, like coming into this year, I, I don't feel as good as I went in the last year. I'm like, mm, I mean, maybe they'll win, but I, I, I don't it's know. It's not as inspiring. It, oh. No. It's not as inspiring as it was last year, definitely. And I think that, yeah, the big elephant in the room is going to be Kyrie as long as the offense is not outplaying the lack of defense, which was this miraculous thing that happened last year. It's really not easy to do, but the Nets managed for an entire season to have a bad defense, but have this unbelievable offense outplay their bad defense and managed to get them to the second seed of the East with 48 wins in a 72-game season. Now, I don't know if they get 48 wins in an 82-game season if they keep playing the way they are now. So we got we have to hope that either Kyrie gets vaxxed or they just figure out a way to either tighten up the defense or kind of put the put the offense out that they were putting out last year, even without Kyrie. It's it's a tall task to ask, but I guess that's what they're going to do. They have to do it. To make us feel a little better, uh, let's talk about the other big-name team in the league that's having a lot of early season struggles, the Los Angeles Lakers. Not looking great so far. They are also 2-3, and three, I believe, and their two wins were miracles that they barely won. I think one was in overtime. And one was like a three-point game that they won uh, at the very end. And last night, they lost in Oklahoma City in a very embarrassing way. They were winning by 26 points at one point in the game. Oklahoma City comes back and wins. There was even a little bit of controversy at the end of the game. I want to start there, and then we can just talk about the game in general. So the Lakers are losing. They inbound the ball. It was a terrible inbound. Darius Baisley picks it off and does like a kind of celebratory like icing on the cake dunk for all the home fans because it's in Oklahoma City and Russ cannot take it. And it became very baseball where he gets upset about something that's not illegal and not technically something you're not supposed to do, but is like in bad taste. And it, be, it made me feel like those people who get upset about like guys who flip their bat in baseball. And I didn't really agree with Russ at all about it. Um, did you guys happen to catch that at all or see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I caught it. Yeah. Um, it, it is one of those things you're not supposed to do. It's kind of understood in basketball, um, even when you start playing like at an early age. So I get why Westbrook's mad. It happens at least once a year. You see one of those kinds of clips uh, where a young guy is just too excited uh, and want, maybe wants to pat a stat. And Russell Westbrook is a hothead. So no surprise. But at the same time, it was a home game for them. And also, they were winning only by three. 
So that really did put the game out of reach. It wasn't wasn't like it was like they're winning by 15 and then here comes another dunk. It was they're winning by three. If something happened with the second left, they could have tied the game. That um, dunk did put it away, didn't it? No. So they were up by five with when he got the steal, they were up by five with under four seconds to go. So oh, if he, so the if steal he had just, put it up seven. Yeah, if he had just dribbled. Oh, okay. I missed like the game. That. The game was over. Yeah, if he had just dribbled it out. Yeah. So I mean, it is. Ah. It's kind of shitty, but also like, um, you know, I'm sure Russ was frustrated with it, not only because that is something you're not generally supposed to do, but also like. When you're the new star on the Lakers and you're losing to a team that is making no secret that they are trying to tank, they are basically like other than the players giving their best effort are trying to lose as many games as they can. And right now, Russell Westbrook seems like the NBA equivalent of like a shotgun to the brain for your for your franchise (laughs) because he just had a, a quadruple double because of his 10 turnovers. (laughs) so it is absolutely ridiculous i think anyone that hates the lakers has to be like so happy that russell westbrook is on this team because he is absolutely nuking it it's it's uh it's actually pretty funny yeah i actually saw a stat that he's averaging six turnovers a game over these past five games average that's bad Um, bro not no none of us not (laughs) if you put any three of us on any team in the NBA and put us in for 36 minutes, we would not turn the ball over six times. We wouldn't. I'm sure we'd probably make one or two bad passes and have, like, it stolen from us one or two times. So let's say, like, four four turnovers, which isn't good. But fucking six a game? Get, Jesus Christ, you're the point guard. You have LeBron yeah. James. Pass him the ball. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know how these things happen. But actually, over the weekend, Avery Bradley, as we talked about this in our text thread, became the 11th player in NBA history to not record a counting stat in at least 20 minutes of play. That's me. For that 20, would be me. For, yeah. For 21 minutes, <laughs> zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, zero steals. <laughs> that was what's more, so what's, what's more of an impressive stat? Ten turnovers in a game or zero stats entirely for 20 minutes? Zero stats ent- entirely is, is more impressive because, like, if you just touch the ball enough and suck as bad as Westbrook, like, 10, 10 turnovers is going to happen. He's going to do it more this year. It's going to happen. Like, for you to not record any stats, for you to not, like, have the ball in 20 minutes just, like, hit you on a pass. Yeah, I was or, thinking, like, or, you have to accidentally assist. Just, like, like, yeah. All the, the rim. Yeah, like for you to not like for you to pass the ball and every time you pass the ball to someone they don't score or like the ball doesn't go off the rim and like accidentally fall into your hands. Your hand. yeah. Like it's just it that's it's so impressive to me. I, I like you are if you just sit and think about what he did on the court. He's literally just like he avoided he's just running ball. around. He played the opposite of like when Quidditch you have to find the golden snitch. Whatever the opposite <laughs> of that would be, I guess. Yeah. He played, he was the golden snitch. I don't know. I love these, like, weird stat lines. I love following and trying to find, like, uh, whatever player is like, oh, this guy got, um, you know, zero stats today in 20 minutes. It's pretty cool. Stuff like that's always fun. What was the thing last year with TJ McConnell? Didn't he have, like, 11 steals in a game or something? I think he had nine steals in the first half and then ended with 11, unfortunately. I love that. Wonderful. 
All right. So there are a lot of other interesting developments over the past week in terms of teams that, I mean, weren't bad teams per se, but just teams that were not expected to look this good. And I think the first one by far is the Chicago Bulls. They were the big variable going into this season. They had all these new guys. They have Vooch. They got DeRozan. They got Caruso. They got uh, Lonzo Ball. And they're undefeated right now, as of right this minute. They are playing the Knicks tonight. Who was the other team who has looked uh, exceptional so far? So I haven't really got to catch any of the Bulls games lately. But has it really been just like a dismantling? Or are they getting a little lucky with some of these wins? Like, what's going on? What's working for them? You know, I haven't really been watching, to be honest. So uh, this is just me taking a, taking a guess. Uh it seems like they just have a pretty like decent mesh of guys, and I think that coupled with like just the adrenaline of some guys now being on a pretty good team after not having been on a good team for a while, like Lonzo hasn't really been on that good of a team. Uh, Vucevic hasn't really been on that good of a team. Uh, Zach Levine now is actually like pretty damn good. Like he's a really good player. So. Uh, if you just look at it, like they kind of remind me a little bit of like maybe those like Grizzlies of like around, I don't even know that you know, Mike, Mike will know that you're better, like 2015, maybe or a little earlier, honestly, probably 2013, 12, like they're everyone on their team is like a, like a B or B plus player, which is, which is pretty good. They don't have a lot of superstars, but everyone's like pretty good. So it just seems like they have a really well-rounded roster. Uh, here's what I'll say, because I agree with what Rick said perfectly. Alonzo yeah. is like the perfect point guard for this team because he's a pass-first guy, but he can hit shots. They've got DeRozan and Levine, who are high flyers. They've got Vooch. Caruso is a spark plug. But let me read you who they've played. They played the Pistons twice, the Pelicans, and the Raptors. So they're 4-0, but against, against, bad teams. against bad teams. So we'll learn a little bit more. This week they're playing tonight the Knicks. Then they're playing the Jazz, who are also undefeated and probably more earned of an undefeated. Then they're playing the Celtics, the Sixers twice, the Nets, the Mavericks, the Warriors. Like, all teams that are, I would consider, good teams right now. So yeah, they're they, 4-0 right now. They could easily be 6-6 six and six in like yeah. a week and a half. <laughs> they could be 4-7 and seven next week. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on them. But uh, I do appreciate the, the guys they put together. I think it's a cool roster. Uh, but then, I mean, after I'm just reading after the Warriors, they play the Clippers, who are not good right now. The Lakers, who we just talked about, Blazers, Nuggets, Knicks, like they've got all playoff contending teams for the next like two weeks. Actually, uh, I think it was either today or yesterday. It might be today that it was like jo- Joachim Noah Day for uh, like Chicago. And they kept talking about how uh, how well he played in that um I think it was that first round series that the Nets lost in 2000. What was that 2013? Was that against them? Probably. Uh, was that the Nate yeah. Robinson? Yeah, it was, it was uh, the Nate Robinson year. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, I kept reading it. Nate Robinson. Was Yoki Noah, Noah, he was really good in that series too, though, right? Probably. I don't remember it. Was this 2013? That sounds was, about right. Yeah, I think it was 12, the 12 13 season. Um, the Knicks are good. They were pretty much as good as they were last year. They added Kemba and Fournier, and it looks like that's working for now, as long as Kemba's still not 
in shambles. Is there a chance that the Knicks finish in a top four seed in this in this Eastern Conference again? Oof. Uh, I'm gonna say no. I mean, I, I, I'm I gotta look at the the rosters again, but I I think I mean the Nets the Nets kind of suck right now, but they'll be up there. Uh, Philly will be up there, I think. I know they kind of suck right now. Uh, Miami might. Atlanta might, Milwaukee. Yeah, I just don't see the Knicks finishing in that top half. I think they'll make the playoffs, but uh, I just think the East is just a lot better this year. Yeah, uh, I got them in my top four. Um, I got, I think it's going to be Bucks, Heat, Hawks, and Knicks. I think the Nets are going to miss that top four. I think they're going to get off to too slow of a start, and it's going to be tough climbing. And I don't think the Sixers are going to be up there either. Hmm. No? New blood. Yeah, the Sixers don't look that good either. You just got the like Dean said it today when we were talking. Like, you just got all these new teams, like with with good players that are playing harder in the regular season than veterans. Veterans don't seem to want to play hard in the regular season, and it's costing games. And you can't take too many games off uh, to and expect to be a top four seed anymore. I got a Bing. great quote for you guys. Bing bong. Played for the Sixers. Oh. Andre Drummond says he is the Alfred to Joel Embiid's Batman. Let me read the quote. Jesus when Batman when, <laughs> when Batman is out doing his stuff, he needs an Alfred. When Batman's out there stopping crime, Alfred's out there making sure everything is good. Whatever he needs, I'm there with the quickness. I think that's a good analogy. Do you, do you guys think that Andre Drummond has the has the right to say this about himself? Is he the Alfred? Is he I feel like he's he's not the Alfred. I mean, Alfred's lower than Robin, so like he kind of is, I guess. He's, Bro, he's not saying wanna... he's he's not like you know the right hand man. He's like the the support guy. He's basically saying, uh, like I'm I'm not that valuable when ba- like when Joel Embiid's playing well, I can't help. So you guys know like uh, Detective Gordon from. Uh... Yeah, from Batman. Yeah, yeah. So the the cop who has no lines and brings him coffee, that's Andre Drummond in this scenario. <laughs> I think. Bro. I don't I don't think that he's got the right to say he's the Alfred to Joel Embiid. He's not that good. I picked him up in fantasy, hoping he would get rebounds, and he only gets like six or seven a game. He's not that great. Um. Ah. Bro, he's not yeah. even Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I've also noticed Harrison Barnes is having like a career season already. And he's like, what, 56 years old? Harrison Barnes hit a bunch of game-winning shots for the Sacramento Kings. He just hit another one against the Suns a day or two ago. And he also scored like a career high, like 37 or 38 points in his first game of the season. What is What is going on? Like, is he is he have like Benjamin Button disease? Is he like de aging? <laughs> I mean, he might be. Like, he's on the Kings, so I guess like, you know, a team that bad, like you can just almost anyone could kind of have flashes of like, I guess we could call it greatness. <laughs> you know, I mean, like if you're playing for the Kings, uh, I don't know if you want to be the best player in a bad team, that's cool. But real real quick, because uh, 
it does feel like Harrison Barnes has been around forever. Yeah, he's only 29. He is. Are you he, serious? He is yeah. younger than me and Josh. <laughs> yeah, he's older than me by two days. <laughs> Dude, for the amount of time that he's been a journeyman in the league, I could have sworn he had journeyed across the world. Dude, he's 29. Yeah, so, so, like, off the top of my head, he spent a few years on the Warriors, in my opinion, was the reason they lost the series against the Cavs. Uh, and then he went to the Mavericks for, what, maybe a year or two, and then he's been on the Kings for a couple. He really hasn't been around, like, that oh, long. Oh, really? I could have sworn it was always like, hey, you need, like, a veteran on this terrible all-rookie team you got going on? Put Harrison Barnes on there. Let's see what happens, you know? Maybe you'll win 25 games. I, I Maybe that's just because that's what, like, what's been happening in Sacramento for the past, like, three years. But, all right, good for him. He's doing well. Any other uh, things we, we want to talk about here today, guys? Uh, I saw a quick thing on Twitter today, the, all the Nets Twitter I follow. It was, like, the recent MVP ladder, and the number one name on that list was Rudy Gobert. What? And uh, I don't know why, because I haven't watched the Jazz play. But he must be doing some incredible things to be ahead of Steph Curry on that list. I well, thought he didn't he miss like a bunch of free throws in one game yesterday or two days ago. Uh, they're undefeated, so I don't know. No, I I actually have Rudy Gobert. I drafted him above Lamelo Ball, and I'm hoping I don't regret that. I just know Rudy Gobert is very consistent. So uh, and you know what to expect. So Rudy Gobert in three games this year has had 21, 20, and 16 rebounds. So he's uh, putting up points, putting up the rebounds. Believe it or not, the only thing he's really not doing is blocking shots. He only has two blocks in three games. So Rudy, help me out, boy. <laughs> but <laughs> but he's, he's having a good year. Definitely not uh, MVP uh, level stuff. Uh, 20 rebounds and... Uh, you know, two of your first three games doesn't make you an MVP, but I mean, he's having a good year, sure. And what was really great was that of all people to get called for the first no call offensive foul where you dribble with the ball and then stop and then like a guy runs into you, but it's not a foul anymore, it had to be Pat Bev. Pat Bev was the first person to officially try. He, like, it wasn't even, like, in the half court. He, like, tried it as soon as he got the ball going up the court against the Bucks. He just stopped with the ball immediately. And uh, some guy in the Bucks ran into him. And it was exciting watching them actually call that against Pat Beverly. Good for him. I'm glad he's making history. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> But we hope to see Harden uh, get into better shape by next week so we can talk more about how the Nets have looked good. We hope to see um, the defensive rebounding get better. And um, I don't know. I mean, does Patty Mills and Joe Harris, like, do they some sort of, like, uh, what's that? Um, remember in Dragon Ball Z, they do the thing where they fuse with that dance? How do they, what is it called again? Yeah, it's uh, the fusion dance. The fusion. They got it. Maybe they do like a fusion dance and they make some sort of combined player who can f fill the offensive stats of Kyrie, kind of get like 22 points a game, some sort of Patsif Milris. Oh, God. Or, or yeah. maybe, a, maybe a Joe, Joe Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, man, they really need Jorick. Uh, do they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Joe Harris, though, like we, I don't know if we talked about it, had the, the, the Nets three-point field goal record now. And I could not care less. I, you know what? This is, <laughs> dude, this is, you know, this might be a hot take amongst uh, our the podcast or and our friends. Dude, call me the president of the Joe Harris Hater Club. Great guy. Nice guy. But, dude, all he can do is shoot threes. And when we needed him most, he couldn't <laughs> shoot threes. Bro, I, you're a one-trick pony who isn't even good at your one trick. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's it, uh, the taste in my mouth is still pretty salty from, like, last year. It's going to take... It's going to take him to actually go up another level in his play for me to forgive him for anything that happened in last year's playoffs. I don't think I could until he maybe averages 20 points a game or something and hits like a minimum four threes or five threes a game because, yeah, no. I don't care about your record either, dude. I'm sorry. I want to, but it's hard. It's hard to care. Yeah. And it, and also, I, it just it might not last that long, right? Like he's – I mean True. he's – I know he he broke the record and he did it like what in five years or something you said but like just because of the current state of the league and how it's put the games played, I mean it really just I mean hell Harden or Kyrie could uh, Harden or KD could break it themselves honestly if they're there long enough I know KD signed the extension so uh, he might be the the record holder honestly after it's all said and done. Well, I don't think he'll ever do it because that's uh, Joe Harris's whole job is like go out there and hit like four to six threes tonight, please. And so he's probably averaged however many threes, at least two or three threes a game over his past five seasons. I don't think KD will ever be taking that many threes, even though, though he could if he wanted to. Could you see KD in like his like latter years, maybe like a 37, 38 year old KD just being like a post up shooter and like not moving at all? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I can see, I, I can see the Slim Reaper just like three to four feet beyond beyond the arc. <laughs> like he, like his his knees are like they barely work, but like yeah. just like just that muscle memory in the arms is just still there. And he just, like whoever whoever's maybe Cam Thomas is like running the show or something for the Nets. But Kate, old, old man Durant is just like out on the wing and it's like. Pass the ball, youngin. <laughs> and he's just hitting like four or five threes. Yeah, I could totally see it. Kind of like a better version of what Melo became in the last part of his career, essentially. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Dude, yo, Kevin Durant is seven feet tall, <laughs> and, his, and his arms are about nine feet long each. Yes, they Dude, are. he could stand flat-footed, and no one would block that shot. So he's good. You're right. That's true. Wish we were all this blessed. It would make our podcasting much better if we had nine-foot arms. Not sure yeah. how, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's probably it for this week. Uh, a lot of bullshit, but thank you guys for listening to The Best is Net to Come. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about these nets. Hopefully we uh, have an above 500 record at that point, and we can talk some good things about James Harden looking more like James Harden. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.